Welcome to Ghost Gaze, a hauntingly gay podcast. Hi, welcome back to Ghost Gaze. I'm Colleen. And I'm Carson. So today we're going to be doing something just a little bit different than what we have been doing our past few episodes. Um, yes. We decided to take a break into exploring physical locations and sit down and watch one of our favorite horror movies, The Conjuring. Which is based off true events. Yeah. Um, and Lorraine Warren were uh, the lead paranormal investigators into the case that the movie is based off of. And the whole thing is just really interesting. And, you know, the movie, it got most things pretty accurate in there. Um, but there are some differences in the actual facts of what happened and we thought it'd be kind of cool to sit down and talk about that i love this movie i thought it was super fun uh i remember the first time i saw this movie i saw it in theaters and i was with one of my really old friends emily mm-hmm. and we had just gone to the melting pot which for those of you who don't know what that is it's like a fondue place so we were stuffed at the end of this <laughs> yeah but and, you know like of course we got popcorn well yeah you go to the movies you gotta get the popcorn right a really scary part of the movie happened where the a lady screamed look what she made me do and my popcorn went into the air <laughs> because I, I was half asleep like i was like trying to stay awake but like trying not to shut my eyes because one i was scared but i didn't want to shut them because if i shut them i'd probably fall asleep but also, if I shut them, I would be safe from the scary ghosts on TV or the movie screen. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. So yes, I really loved this movie, and I was super excited to watch it again. Not that I haven't seen it like a billion times. times. It's just fun, and it's even creepier to realize that the family is based off of real people, and so were the yeah, like this investigators. Actually, happened. Yeah. So, um, my first note for the movie, though, when it opens, is you know, everybody who is interested in like the paranormal and stuff like this like we are like this podcast is knows about annabelle the doll right yes the conjuring movie franchise paints annabelle like the actual doll as like this horrifyingly broken porcelain ancient like antique doll right it's creepy it's really creepy in the movies but the real annabelle is a fucking rag doll Yeah, like a Raggedy Ann doll. It's a Raggedy Ann doll, and I just think it's so funny, because to me, that's almost scarier than, like, a creepy glass uh, antique doll. Is like, there's a demon that resides in this fucking half-foot-tall cotton-stuffed nightmare. Are you kidding me? Oh, it's awful. But, like, that's so scary to think about this, this harmless, re- truly harmless thing Yeah, is so unbelievably dangerous and i just i think it's so funny that the whole movie franchise had to like hollywood up annabelle because she is in <laughs> fact a ragdoll i think that would have just been creepier if it was just the ragdoll itself just the ragdoll itself that would have been really creepy. yeah yeah um i'm not a huge fan of like talking creepy dolls or anything like that i was actually listening to a podcast called the tipsy ghost today check them out um and they were talking about a uh shoot what was it it was a doll that was haunted. I can't remember its name, but if it's listening to me right now, I'm not saying anything negative about you. I am not saying anything in the ordinary. I was just saying uh, stories that involve dolls scare me a little bit. Uh, because apparently, if you like, if you say anything mean about this this doll, like you will have misfortune no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, it was a great episode, but I was like, nope. What a lovely doll, you know. 
Look how good. Um, so yeah, I, there were actually some movies based off that too, from what I, mm-hmm. they said on their podcast. And I, I don't know which ones they are. They're not Chucky. I thought it was like Chucky or something, but it's not. Um, no, there's no but historical I'm, accuracy to the Chucky movies. That would be so funny if there were though. Oh my God. That would be Chucky, funny. Chucky. Oh, poor Andy Barkley. Oh, I know. So this might just be funny to like just me. I don't know if it'll <laughs> strike anybody else as interesting. But while we were watching the movie, I was looking up the cast, and I noticed that the actress that plays Lorraine Warren in the movie, the actress was born in 1973, and it just kind of tickled me pink that that's when, like, the movie was set. And I'm not really sure why. I just thought it was kind of funny in a weird way. I mean, I get that. I would love to star in a movie that's that happens in 1992. Right? It's just kind of interesting. It is interesting. The Sharon family has never been shy about what happened to them in this house. Like, the eldest daughter, Andrea, wrote a series of books called The House of Light, House of Darkness. Like, in it, she depicts from when they lived in their original house before they even moved to this house. Like, her life from beginning and end to deal with all of this haunted scary bullshit you know and like they were heavily involved in the process of making the actual movie and so was Ed and Lorraine Warren were also involved in the early on process of making these movies about the cases that they worked on to the point where the movies when it was first announced they were actually going to be called the files of Ed and Lorraine Warren that's interesting because mm-hmm. as we know they were not called that <laughs> well yeah obviously they ended up going <laughs> with different titles for Yes. Sect. I think it's because there's just so many different things that they could cover in this little umbrella, you know? Yeah, so many. And I also, also The Conjuring is just such a spooky name that's going to draw anybody's interest and be like, oh, that's clearly a horror movie, as in like, you know, the Ed and Lorraine files might. Right. No, nobody really knows who Ed and Lorraine Warren are unless you know about ghost stories. Mm-hmm. And when I first saw this movie, uh, it's because I think it said in the beginning, like based on true events, but I was just thinking like the children. I had no idea that the Ed and Lorraine were true as well. I thought they were made up for the story. Nope. Ed and Lorraine Warren, they were real people. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the world's like leading paranormal, uh, experts for most of his life, I think. Uh, I think and she's like renowned as a uh, medium. Didn't she pass away a couple years ago? Yep. They're both passed now. Yeah. Um, he died before she did. Uh, mm. I think okay. maybe eight or nine years before she did. Oh, I also wanted to talk about the casting real quick because I was looking up, mm-hmm. uh, as I was doing, you know, my research, I was looking up pictures of what the girls used to look like because there were five daughters in the household. Um, oh. and like the casting is so on point. I didn't realize, but like even looking at pictures of Ed and Lorraine, I mean, Patrick Wilson's, uh, you know, Sorry, Ed Warren, but Patrick Wilson is definitely <laughs> slimmer and more attractive. Yeah. Um, well, it's Patrick Wilson, so. Right. But you know. other than that, it, I mean, they really do have the casting dead on for most of these movies. Yeah, and this, these actors, all the actors, at least in this movie, are phenomenal actors, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget who plays the mom, but I, I really love her work. I think she's just phenomenal. Joey King, she's also a great actress. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, okay. Last one about the movie. Are you ready? Yeah. So the other thing about the actual set of the movie 
was I know that we've talked about this before. Um, there, the parent family being as involved as they were in the making of the movie would visit the set a lot. And yeah. I mean, weird shit would go down every time they, that they were there. It would seem like every like, single time. I, I mean, lights would break. Sound equipment would fail. They would have to reshoot scenes over and over because the cameras didn't pick anything up. Like weird electrical stuff like that. I mean, oh yeah, like some feel... cameras wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, the... like cameras wouldn't record. Right. Um, people would feel like taps on their shoulders or hear whispers, and it was like it seemed like it was only when the parent family was there. Right. So that's definitely. Oh, we. It's it's like when they were doing the Poltergeist movies and after they wrapped on the first set uh, for the first Poltergeist movie because they used the real human remains, everybody was cursed forever. And, like, the little Wait, girl really? died. Yeah. Did you not hear what? that? <laughs> no, God, oh maybe we God. should do that one next. Oh, my God, what? Yeah, the curse of the, the Poltergeist set. They used, like, real human remains for the remains the that they movie? found. Yeah, in the first movie. And, like, the little girl died. And they weren't, like particularly supernatural deaths like the little girl got really really sick unexpectedly and she died yeah from that but like it came out of nowhere and just like in the blink of an eye she was gone and then like somebody else died that was in the movie i think it was like the mother or somebody maybe and she like drowned in the bathtub maybe i'm remembering that wrong but like ooh, that's crazy yeah we'll definitely have to go in depth more in another episode about that but yeah um yeah, it was why, and then I heard when they refilmed it, even they did the reboot Poltergeist, and it like they obviously they didn't use real remains on that set, but no. weird stuff kept happening. And I am telling I you, people it. like these spirits don't just dissipate necessarily. With like just because the haunting story is over, doesn't mean that that particular energy is not out there. So right. be careful where you tread. <laughs> so we talked about the movie itself. Uh, do we want to move on to the actual history of the land? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was just trying to kind of like look up a bunch of the history of the land itself as to like what it was beforehand. And they called it a farmhouse. So I was like, okay, so right. farmland. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out that this, uh, it like things that they grew there, they grew corn, rye, oats, potatoes, um, and they would raise cows and pigs. So yeah, a bunch of farmland. Yeah, I wrote a barn on the property when they bought the house. Yeah. Um, and this area is, where is it? It's called Harrisville, Rhode mm-hmm. Island. But this is just actually a tiny little village inside of the town, Burrowville. B-U-R-R-I-L-V-I-L-L-E. Burrowville. Oh, <laughs> Mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I was I looking like all up... all the historical towns in Rhode Island, all the small little villages and stuff like that oh, have, yeah. like, weird names like Hudsonville and Burrowville and... <laughs> Hudsonville's a place over here. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> That's why I started laughing, because I was like, yeah, so Rhode Island to have that name. <laughs> yeah, so the house is in Harrisville. Mm-hmm. Um Really, all I could find out about it was just it was just a bunch of farmland before, and I'm assuming something must have happened there, or like I said in a couple a couple episodes ago, this could be a portal, you know? Right. And I think I think actually one of the was it Andrea who actually said she described her childhood as a portal cleverly disguised as a farmhouse. Yep. Yeah. 
So I looked it up, too, and I saw that the house was built in 1736. Uh, it's funny. In my notes, I misread it, like, three times when I wrote it down. And um, I almost wrote it down as 1776. And then yes. in my notes, I have, in parentheses, not 1776, you big, dumb, <laughs> stupid baby. America! Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> So the house was built in 1736, um, and Bathsheba, lo and behold, the big scoop, spooky demon ghost in the movie, um, yep. did live at the farmhouse before the Perrin family. Obviously, they lived there in the 1970s. Um, so yeah, she she was a real person. She lived at that home. Um, that was her farm home. Um, I also was reading so. I, Doing, you know, my research, I looked into what they would have spent on a house like that around then because I read somewhere that the family, the parent family was like strapped for money. And I think they kind of portrayed that in the movie too. Like this yeah. move was kind of a risky maneuver for them. So I looked it up and it said that they spent about $75,000 on this little farmhouse that sat on 200 acres of land. Jeez, 200? 200 acres. So the fact that you were, like, looking into the research of land and history of the land and mostly found farmland doesn't surprise me because that's a lot of it. That's a lot of land. What else are you going to do? That's a lot of land for Rhode Island. For those of you who do not – I was going to say, like, for those of you who do not live in America or don't know America very well, Rhode Island is the tiniest, tiniest state. It was, like, a no-brainer for them when it – um, when the opportunity arose, they were mm-hmm. really hard up for cash, like I said, but I mean, they were dealing with some weird stuff in the house that they already lived in. Like not, again, not necessarily supernatural stuff, but like just weird stuff. And I actually have a theory about that that I'll explain in a second. Um, Ooh. but so they bought this house that they, this haunted house that they moved into, um, for, I mean, now seventy five thousand dollars that's next to nothing for a house like that, oh, you know, right, oh, I would snap that up in a heartbeat, oh yeah, maybe not this house, but well, no, not maybe not this house, but <laughs> I can understand uh-huh. why they made that choice so quickly, like yeah, so Carolyn Perrin actually she found the ad for the house and and put it five hundred dollars down as a down payment, and that was basically all of the money that they had that wasn't for food. Without Jeez. telling Roger about it. Oh, that's and then, right. Yeah, she did that without telling Roger. And then they went to go look at the house together and obviously immediately fell in love. And, like, yeah. why wouldn't you? Again. I I wonder if they felt any uneasiness going there to look at it or because it was such a great price that it went, the uneasiness went over their heads and they were like, wow, look at this. Look at all we could do with this land. Yeah, I think that's kind of what um, Andrea Perrin goes into in the beginning portions of her book is that um, she talks a lot about how love at first sight it was for her parents when they saw this place. Like immediately they were head over heels. There was a pond. There was a creek. There was a big apple tree. I mean, there was tons and tons of land. They could have built more Mm. onto the property if they had wanted to eventually, you know. Eventually Um, selling all that land later on. Oh, my God. Or even part of it. The property was so beautiful and so, like, eye-catching to her parents or to their parents that all of the troubles that came with the house, like the the electricity and the plumbing and all of that stuff was, was all outdated. It was all out of touch. 
And they were like, you know what? This is going to be a shit show, and we're probably going to fail, but it's a gorgeous property, so let's fail on a gorgeous property. I wonder if when they went to look at it, like, whatever residing there was just, like, taking a or like taking a step back and being like, look how pretty it is, so that there's no uneasy feeling or something right, like getting, that. Because it hooks into them. Yes, because um, like I know, I know when the when some of the kids said that like the day they moved in they felt uneasy yeah. immediately, and and I would have been like, why wouldn't you notice that when you're looking at the house? Well, kids are generally more perceptive to that kind of energy to begin with, so the fact that well, the kids true. kind of picked up on it and the parents didn't doesn't really surprise me. Um, yeah, now they think about that, that makes sense. Right. You're you talking about like the energy they're kind of getting their, its hooks into them by like displaying the beautifulness of the property does tie into yeah. what I was talking about before, though, with them going through some, like, weird shit with their yeah. old house that they lived in. So I did want to point out that in the movie, they have the dog, right? And we talked about this before, too. But mm. the parent family, when they lived in their first home, they did have a dog, a family dog, um, that they cherished. They loved this dog very much. It was a very special dog. They needed a special name for it. They named it Bathsheba. And, like, and Why? It's like I said Earlier, I mean, Bathsheba was a biblical name at the time. It wasn't really well known for being, like, this woman who cursed his family and tortured them as, like, a demonic entity. True, true. But, like, she's not not named Mary. She's not named, like, Sarah. She's named Bathsheba. (laughs) So, like, so I would be like, let's take the grossest name we can find and name the dog that. I know. I'm not saying that I agree. With the decision to name their dog Bathsheba, but, like, that's what they named their dog. I think it's really fucking weird that they named their dog Bathsheba, and then supposedly that is who was haunting them. That's really weird. That's suspicious. That's That's weird. That's weird. Insert Um, Cardi B meme. (laughs) So, the thing about, this is about to get kind of dark. Um, Go for it. So, one night. The girls all get home, and they're like, you know what? Let's go take the dog for a walk. And so as a group, you know, fun little sister activity, they decide to take Bathsheba out for a walk. Um, They said that she got distracted by a car that drove down the road because there were people hanging out the window, like, waving pom-poms. And so Bathsheba got away and started to run after this car, and then... One of the sisters called after her, and she was such a good dog that she just stopped, like, right in the middle of the road. And another car came in the opposite direction and just ran her down. Ooh. Um, Did not kill her. That happened when the police officer came upon the scene and realized that the dog was going to die and told the girls to run home. And the, it said in Andrea's book that they heard two gunshots in the distance as they were running home. So imagine being like a child and walking your dog and just like a fun little sister activity. And all of a sudden your dog is dead in the middle of the road and a police officer is shooting it. Oh, that's crazy. Isn't that just horrifying? That's, that's awful. So that was like a really weird random occurrence that happened to the family. And obviously sure. everybody was just like gutted. They were heartbroken. It hit... Andrea, the hardest, it said. Um, she never really fully recovered from that, which is understanding. Yeah. The the sadder part is that uh, time passed. You know, they started to heal as a family from that. They got a couple of cats. They went on vacation. Um, 
Roger's mother was watching the house and watching the cats while they were on vacation. And as they were on their way home, they got like a weird feeling and everybody was kind of like off and on edge. They pull up to the house and see that the door is wide open. Ooh, I don't and, like that. Yeah. And so they like, Andrea gets out of the car. They see something laying on the porch and it is her favorite cat that has been bludgeoned to death. Oh, and so this poor girl just lost her childhood dog. is finally starting to recover, falls in love with this brand new animal and comes home to find it brutally murdered. Their entire house so is ransacked. Like everything is destroyed. Two of their other cats are missing. And Roger, I guess, called his mom and was like, hey, did you leave the house unlocked? And she said, no, of course not. I locked everything up. I was there like two hours ago. Why? What's wrong? So in, like, the two-hour gap that took the Perrin family to get home and his mother to leave, somebody came in and destroyed their entire house and killed their cats and stole more of their cats. I don't know if they what they did with those other cats, but <laughs> I, that's horrifying to think about. I guess um, later on, a group of boys in the neighborhood came forward and said that they were the ones that did it. They were just like adolescent boys being fucked up adolescent boys. But even so, even if it wasn't like a scary supernatural occurrence thing, like that is just, it's, it's weird and it's messed up, you know? It is messed up. It's, um, yeah. So that was like another big blow to the family that was like, oh shit, what the fuck? There's two more weird occurrences that happened at their house um before it was kind of like the final straw for carolyn tell me um so andrea the oldest had always been like a very sweet demure like caring awesome child before you know and then those two horrible things happened and after that she got really withdrawn she got really angry um Mm -hmm. she started to get in fights and like in the worst way possible like she would just beat the shit out of people Um, and her parents kind of chalked it up to like her going through a couple of really traumatic things back to back, but I, I still find it a little odd that like this girl who was like the the poster child before in the blink of an eye was suddenly just so angry and just like fighting everybody all the time. Yeah. Um, and then not long after that, even their neighbor died of a heart attack while he was getting in his car one morning to, like, he, he turned his truck on, put his foot on the gas, and died of a heart attack, and almost crashed his truck into their house. If oh it had not God. been for, like, the large rock garden, which I don't really know what a rock garden is, but I guess the Perrin family had a rock garden in the front yard with, like, this big boulder. Mm-hmm. And if that hadn't been in place, he probably would have crashed his truck, like, into their house. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of the final straw. And at, and it was also at that point that all of the other people that lived in their neighborhood at the time kind of started to look at Carolyn Perrin as a witch figure. They were like, oh, my God, they're also connecting the dots. They're like, oh, my God, all of this weird stuff is happening. And it's this mm-hmm. family that's at the center of it. And this woman is like weird and she's unusual. She must be a witch. We have to shun her. And, like, that's funny to me that even in the 70s, that still was a thing that people were so concerned yeah. about. Like, they were accusing her of being a witch in the 70s. At like, least they didn't, like, hang her. <laughs> yeah, at least they didn't Kill her. Uh, pull her out in the 
front of the, or pull her out in the middle of town square and stone her in front of everybody. So yeah, after that whole thing with their neighbor uh, dying like that, like how fucking weird is that? That's, that's super weird. That was kind of the final straw for Carolyn though. And so it mm. was at that point that she was picking up somebody, one of her kids from a music practice. She saw a random ad in a random newspaper for this house that was going for so cheap and it looked so perfect that she just put the down payment down on it, the minimum down payment, yeah. and that was that. Um, so my theory, tying this all together, I'm finally getting there. Are you ready? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Super ready. <laughs> so my theory is that, like I said, energy like this that just kind of sits and it doesn't debate, it just it, – it has the potential to reach out. And I yeah. feel like it sensed the parent family out there and it knew that it could sucker them right into buying this house. It knew that if it could just draw them in the right direction, that they would immediately put their money into that place and be stuck there. Um, and so I feel like some of the weird occurrences could have been caused, like the heart attack. That's so weird. I feel like that could have been caused by some paranormal entity being like you know what this look this family looks like they're close to breaking and ready to move into a ghost infested neighborhood let's kill their neighbor so i don't know that's just an interesting theory that i've had for a while very interesting so colleen tell me a little bit more about bathsheba the woman with her dog Ooh, yes (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just kidding i've already told you everything about bathsheba the dog um yeah so bathsheba thayer was a woman that lived in Rhode Island. She lived there with her family. Uh, I think her husband's name was Judson. They were fairly well off, actually. They, uh, her husband was a farmer. So that, again, ties in with your history on the land being a farming area. Yeah. Her husband was a farmer on the land. He did really well. Um, they had a son named Herbert, which is the Aww. most 1849 name I've ever heard of. Yeah. But cute. <laughs> All right. The going theory on what makes her such a scary presence in the Conjuring movie is that people in the village said that she had sacrificed three of her young children to the devil. Oh. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of wrong to just randomly accuse people of that. Like, you don't know what happened to her kids. Exactly. Well, I mean, the reason why they assumed so was because th- there was no real hard evidence that supported the claims. But suspicion grew, and when an infant mysteriously died in her care, it was examined and determined that the mortal wound that had caused uh, had been caused by a large sewing needle that had been impaled at the base of the child's skull. Like a like a hat pin. Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? They used to do that to children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting. Some, some kind of large, sharp object. When they examined the baby's body, they noticed that some kind of large, sharp object had been inserted at the base of the skull, and that was yeah. what killed the baby. And it happened while it was in Bathsheba's care. That happened for a long time. They used to do that for a long time. And they would uh, basically kill these babies that were sick or whatever, um, right, and most of the time, like they, a... oh, sorry, no, 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 I was going to say it was considered like a, like a humane way to do it, but it really wasn't. And then people just started doing it to kill children. Right. They didn't think they'd 
figure it out, but obviously they did. Sorry, go ahead. That just reminded no, me of did. that. And I was like, I was just going to say the same thing as you, that it was like a, considered a humane way to take care of babies that wouldn't live past infancy. Yeah. Right. So there is one theory that at the time Bathsheba, because she had lost children, she was so distraught maybe that she thought that she was doing the right thing. Uh huh. But there's no, there's no like court records or like cases or like there's obviously there, I don't really know if they would have, pursued anything other Mm -hmm. than just accusing her of being a witch and like banishing her um the weird thing though is that if she had been a witch if there had been real substantial claim to that she wouldn't have been buried on consecrated ground next to her family and she is in fact buried next to her family next to a church oh so if she had really been a witch they wouldn't have done that so I no. personally think that the whatever is living in that house could have just been masquerading, using the name Bathsheba to scare the children, to scare the family, to avoid its real identity being found out. Yeah. The I mean, it's a whole the power is in the name thing, you know, with demonic possession exactly. and stuff like that. It, as soon as you I think that's that the name, whole point of the next movie. <laughs> right. You hold all the cards. And once you know the demon's name, you hold all the cards. Yeah. They said it to the nun one, and she was like, ah, damn it, okay, and then left. Yeah. Yeah, she was just like, dipped oh, out real right. quick. God. Is that, do, is that the one we saw together that you fell asleep in, the nun? Yeah, I fell asleep for other reasons than just being really full, though. <laughs> that's that's true. What can I say? Those seats are really comfortable. I know, right? So do you want to talk about, um, like, the similarities in the the spooky spooky stuff of the movie and the actual case or do you want like um wait did we even finish the Bathsheba Bathsheba stuff she died um in like she died in 1885 about four years Mm -hmm. after her husband's death she did live long enough to see her son marry um his fiance in 1881 which I'm Assuming that if his if her husband died in 81 then he might not have lived that long which is a little sad yeah um, they, all of her other children, apart from Herbert, didn't survive past the age of seven, so there were no Ooh. census records that could confirm the reports of her having children or how old they lived right. to be. Um, and, like, it, just usual farm life stuff for her family. They took in boarders, they helped out on the farm. Her son even grew up to be a farmer just like his dad, you know? Um, yeah, uh... That's also what leads me to believe that she's not actually a witch at all, is because I feel like if she had been a witch, there would have been more records of this little town in this early time period yeah. having a witch in their midst, you know? like No, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think a demon or something must have been using that name because they didn't want to, you know, show their true identity and they could be like, oh, no, I'm Bathsheba. Right, exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, they don't care if they're lying. They're a demon. And it could also explain how the energy still resided even after it was supposedly taken care of by the Warren family or whatever, because they didn't actually banish what was torturing them. They banished the theory of this ghost of Bathsheba. And if Andrea is correct and it is a portal, things are coming through all the time. Exactly. Um, Mm. It also kind of ties into um, the Annabelle doll itself when Annabelle was first given as a gift to, like, this nursing student, right? Yeah. And Annabelle totally fucking lied and said that it was a little girl that just wanted a friend. And she said, okay, I'll be your friend. And it turned out, oops, whoops, surprise, I'm a demon. 
<laughs> Annabelle's like, hello, I am a doll. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm not a demon. <laughs> I'm six yeah, I'm years like, old. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, yeah, it ties into all of that shit, you know? Like, they, they, if you don't know what you're really dealing with, then there's no way to know what you're really dealing with, you know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about some of the stuff that happened in the movie that also happened in real life. Go for it. The one of the most prominent ones I know that actually that they put in the movie that also happened in real life was when they're, you know, I'm not I don't know necessarily if know if they were playing that the hide and seek clapping game. I don't know if that's really what they were doing, but the mother did actually hear clapping right mm-hmm. next to her. Yep. And there was nobody there, she could not explain it. And, of course, when they added that into the movie, I was like, oh, that has to be the fake one. Um, or something like that were made up. And I was like, no, that actually happened. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that at all. It's one of the scariest parts in the movie to me is when she's, like, in the stairwell in the basement and she's trapped. And then you just see the hands behind her head just. Yeah. I'm like, oh, can you not? Um, what if her cheeks clapped instead? Oh, my God. <laughs> that she was like, I twerk. <laughs> Cardi B if she was a ghost. Be like, be like, oh my god, oh my god, but what, mom, what? I heard some ass clapping. <laughs> I heard some cheeks, they come a-clapping. One thing, okay, so there was rumors for a while. I don't know, actually know if it was true or not, but this is what I heard, mm-hmm. um, and I've I've seen records of it saying it did happen, it did not happen. Um, it may say in your book, though, that you have, mm-hmm. I don't know, but the scene where the mom is doing the laundry, Mm-hmm. And it uh, the sheet flies away, and you can see an imprint of like a body or something. Now, apparently, when some of the children went to go the, to the filming location, that actually happened with That's something like up. a tarp. Yeah, like it actually really? happened, like with yeah, with like a tarp or something, and the, and like multiple people saw it. So they're like, okay, well, we have to put something like this in the movie. And that's how they came up with that. But then I also read something that no, it didn't happen. And then there was there were it went back and forth on whether it did happen or didn't happen. So I I want to know if like maybe in your book it says something like that, but I also don't know when mm-hmm. that book was written. I think the book was published before the movie came out because they definitely okay. um drew inspiration from the book. Oh, okay, okay. I know that Lorraine said that she actually where where's my article? I can't find my article right now. But I was reading an article where she was like, No, when I looked out the window I could see some someone hanging from the tree. Mm-hmm. Out there, so they kind of like showed that in the movie, and she's like, "So with the uh, Beth, Bathsheba um, being a witch rumor, one of the things mm-hmm. that I did find was that um, the when she died, it's never really clarified how she died, but there were some rumors that she did in fact hang herself on the tree uh-huh. that's right in front of the house. Yeah. There's another rumor that that is where the like bodies of all of her children that she supposedly sacrificed to Satan are." Mm. And so, like, the going rumor is that she hung herself on the tree that is planted over her children's graves. Oh, okay. So I think in the movie, the the mom, again, gets, like, possessed and speaks a different language or something like that in the movie. I'm not sure if the kids see it or not, but I know Andrea said that she secretly watched her mother speak in a different tongue and get lifted into the air at one point. Yeah, I was going to talk about how um, 
in the movie, you know, there's there's some pretty good jump scares. There's some pretty good suspenseful moments of like them the ghost kind of like tugging at their ankles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book that Andrea wrote, she said that it was a lot more aggressive than that, like a lot yeah. more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, I know the kids said that when people interviewed them about the movie, that they were like, oh, is the movie scarier than what actually happened? And the kids were like, no, what happened to us was ten times scarier than the movie. Yeah. Um, I read a quote from one of the children that said, like, uh, even with your wildest nightmares tenfold, you couldn't dream to imagine what our family experienced. Yeah. Or something, or what, like, what we went through in that, because they lived in that house for about a decade. So oh. I can't even imagine how terrifying that must have been. Ten years of your life. Just being tormented and tortured every single day. I mean, there, it said that there was like slapping and shoving and like yeah. biting and I mean, there would be like screaming in their ears. It wouldn't just be like whispers or like, yeah little nudges there would be like screaming voices in their ears and yeah just like well go ahead i was gonna say the general feeling of just like nausea the cold spots everything like every stereotypical bad ghost haunting story was in this one house with this one family for a decade and this is it's weird though because i remember reading a story about vera farminga who was working or who played lorraine in the movie you know, after, it seems like after the kids came and visited, I can't remember when it was, but I have one here where it's confirming what I was remembering, where uh, Vera Farmingo, after filming, would go, like, to her trailer, but she would fall asleep without remembering it and wake up between 3 and 4 in the morning every day. Yeah, on, like, on set, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, I remember uh, reading something about that, too, about how she just felt like she was watched all the time on set, like, like even yes. when the cameras weren't rolling, even when she was by herself. She felt like something was watching her right over her shoulder. Yeah, she also had claw marks on her. Mm-hmm. She had, like, these mysterious claw marks. Uh, oh, all the, cast ma- all the cast members would, like, leave set each day with, like, some kind of mysterious bruise or mark yeah. or something on them. I know Joey King said she got a couple bruises on set that she couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. Scary. Very scary. Oh, apparently when the family visited the set, uh, one of the original parent girls told, uh, the, one of the co-writers that she was feeling some, that something bad was going to happen that day. To the shock of everyone there, the, uh, the family and family alike, the girl's now elderly mother fell and broke her hip. Uh, oh. and it was so serious. Yeah, yeah, it was so serious that they had to operate and replace it that day. Oh, God. This was after visiting the set. Yeah. My gosh. Apparently, well, I'm re- I was reading this article. And apparently the the women thought it was Bathsheba's reaction to her or them trying to do something about this. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Also, something I wanted to talk about that I, I can't believe I forgot about this. Um, uh-huh. So Carolyn, when she noticed things were weary and like off in the house, she decided to do her own research on who lived there before her and like if anything bad had happened in the house at all. Yeah, And she discovered eight generations of families that had lived there. Most of them had, somebody had died in a mysterious or horrible death at the farm. Some some people committed suicide. 
There were murders. Children drowned. Yeah. Like, I, I, it seemed like everybody lived there. Some horrible tragedy struck them down in some way. Yeah. Which, I mean, maybe that's just a note to not put down all of your money on a down payment on a house without doing <laughs> any fucking research on it first. Right. Like, I get wanting to move out of your neighborhood, and I get being, like, feeling like you're being judged by your neighbors all the time, and, like, weird stuff yeah. is already happening, but, oof, <laughs> it was a bad move. Yeah, very bad. Yeah, there's creepiness all around for, like, the movie itself and the, the story itself. Like, apparently the the spookiness continue on to The Conjuring 2. We'll get to that at a different point, because we should watch the movie. Oh, okay, so I just actually pulled this up, because I was remembering, um, you were talking about the story about how Andrea was hiding while the Warrens were there one night, and they, she saw her mother get possessed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a thing that happened. Andrea and Cindy, one of the other daughters, were hiding and witnessed everything. Um. Yeah. It said that, now, it said that this is the scene that the, like, the final banishment scene in the movie is based off of. Um, but it said that she was possessed. Carolyn was possessed. They put her in a chair and tried to, uh, de-demonize her is what is, <laughs> is said is in the article. Um, de-demonize her. So it said that she spoke in a strange language, <coughs> levitated out of her chair, and that it lasted several hours, and that her body even distorted. And um, but it, what it, it is interesting here is that it says that at the end of the seance or the exorcism or whatever to get the demon out of Carolyn, Roger was so fed up and so worried about Carolyn's mental state and her health and everything she had been through that he threw the yeah. Warrens out, and that was. They were done working with the Warrens. Really? Yep. Um, So in the movie, they portray that as being like the winning moment. They finally get rid of the ghost. But in reality, they continue to live in that house after the seance, even with all of the paranormal activity going on, because they simply couldn't afford to move anywhere else. How long after they moved in did they call the the Warrens? Because I know they lived there for about 10 years, right? So they called the Warrens actually fairly early on, I believe. Um, okay. And it it was said that they never really – they wanted to help, but they were never able to, like, banish any spirits. Every time they were there, it just got, like, more and more aggravated. And that's kind of what drove Roger to the breaking point of being like, all right, we can't do this anymore. Right. It said the Warrens tried to help, but essentially we found out that things got worse around them. Yeah. So I think that was the demon spirit energy knowing that somebody was there to get rid of them. And it was like, fuck you. I'm not going anywhere. For sure. And especially, you know, it always draws me back to what Andrea said about the portals. Like, if that is a portal, like things are coming through all the time. And of course, something's going to get attached to either all of them or each one of them individually. And like, no wonder that when they went to visit set, like things were happening, you know? Right. It's crazy. Even says in her book that, um, they eventually, they were able to sell the house, um, in 1980 and they moved to Georgia where Carolyn was from. Um, so they moved to 
George. Sorry, I'm sitting outside and I'm talking about like all of this creepy ghost stuff and this <laughs> random ball, like this child's toy just went rolling down the gutter right in front of my car. Oh. That's terrifying. Yeah, something's trying to get your attention. There's nobody outside. That's okay. Anyways, um, so they moved out of the house in 1980. Um, they moved back to Georgia. Andrea has said in her book that even after they moved out of the house and they felt like they got away from the big scary energy of it, something definitely followed each and every one of them out of that house. Like they're all individually haunted now forever. Hey. Um, as you as you said that, I heard something behind me move. Well, that's scary. Yeah. So, huh? Maybe something is trying to get us. Let's just say a little hello to us. Because oh. I felt well, really uneasy for a second. I felt really uneasy for yeah, a second. Yeah, you got quiet there for a second. Yeah, I felt I like. Yeah, it didn't feel good. Whatever, whatever. It's gone now. Oh, spooky. Yeah. Spooky. Very spooky. Spooky. Oh, did you know you can go stay at the farmhouse now? Yeah, you sent me that link earlier, and I honestly, I didn't know up until now that you could stay at the uh, Heron Family Ranch house. It's like a yeah. haunted B&B location now. You can, um, uh, wh- who's the guy that's running it now? It's a family that I saw, but I don't, um... And it looks really fun, but I, I think I'm too chicken shit to do that. I mean, I would go there, I think, if somebody wanted to go with me, maybe. And if I had, like, something to cleanse myself with afterwards or somebody <laughs> to do that for me. Yeah. Maybe we can think about it when I come visit you. Corey Heinzen and his family. That's who runs the the house now. Corey Heinzen and his family yeah. run the house out there in Rhode Island. I've heard that it's really cool. It's still very, very active. Yeah. Um, yeah, they like they they know their shit there. Also, I was looking at the reviews. They like uh, know all about the history of the house. I would love to get in contact with them and learn more about what went down there and like learn more, maybe more about the mysterious deaths that happened before the Perrin family moved in because that would be really right. interesting. All right, Colleen, I think we've done done a lot. On this, uh... Yeah, sorry, I kind of, uh, really got into it there for a second. I... No, it's okay, I, you had a lot of information that I really liked. Yeah. Yeah. Really I had fun. a lot of fun looking into this one. It was really cool. Oh, yeah, it, this one's very fun. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we should probably wrap this one up. Yeah, I think we've said about just everything that we need to say here. Yeah. Um, if you're interested, go follow us on Instagram at Podcast. And if you have any stories you want to send us, send us them at ghostgazepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, please talk to us. We're really lonely. Yeah, we like company. <laughs> <laughs> hey, friends. Remember, if you see a ghost, who are you going to call? The Ghost Gaze. Ghost Gaze.